Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia Pacific shares are largely trading higher today. The Nikkei is up half a percent. Seoul is up one third of a percent. Sydney is flat. Analysts are focused on corporate earnings and U.S. job numbers. Joining me now as we break down all the market action for you, he's Ryan Huang. Good Thursday morning, Ryan. Morning, Michelle. All right, let's start the morning with the banking sector. Southeast Asia's largest bank, DBS, is reporting record earnings. Its profits jumped 37% in the second quarter. It netted $1.7 billion. That puts it ahead of analysts' expectations. Now, Ryan, I think you know what I'm going to ask. What is driving DBS's business? What is behind these record numbers? Yeah, it's a couple of things happening here. And let's dive into this second quarter. So it's up. 37% to a new record high for a quarter, $1.7 billion. And this is off the back of higher fee income and lower allowances. So this is seeing a couple of things happen. Loans growth is getting stronger across the board. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason. Strong enough to offset the low interest rate environment. So that is despite interest rates across the world, you know, seeing banks struggling to make um, from those margins. In fact, um, for the first half year on year for the first six months of this year, is down by over 20 basis points. So that could still see um, pressure on t- in some NIMS in the coming quarters. But loans growth still quite healthy. And in terms of the optimism coming through from what I'm seeing, it looks like they think the pipeline at least and the health of the business backdrop is going to support the growth for the bank. All right. Loans are up. Deposits are up. I have to also point out one more thing is way up. But as they say in the markets, past performance is not a guarantee of future returns. So before we get to that, what exactly is DBS predicting for its future? Okay, so let's take a look at what um, Piyush Gupta, the CEO, is saying. Uh, It's saying business momentum and asset quality both have been better than expected as the recovery takes hold, um, especially with the businesses under pressure from COVID-19. So in terms of provisions, it doesn't have to put aside as much as before. So it has been able to become more optimistic and the worst case scenarios it was forecasting did not pan out. So that was also one reason why the MAS decided to lift those dividend payout caps. And looking at the outlook, Piyush Gupta says no risks will remain, but he is quite optimistic that the momentum that he has seen carry over from Q1 to Q2 will likely be sustained in the coming quarters. All right. Uh, as we've been discussing on the show, the MAS has lifted its cap on bank dividends. And yesterday we saw UOB and OCBC increase their payout. So what about DBS? What will its shareholders receive? Okay, let's look at the dividends. So great news for income investors. DBS is declaring 33 cents per share. So that is higher than the 18 cents it paid out a year ago. And this brings the first half dividend to 51 cents. So like OCBC and UOB, it is hiking dividends back to pre-pandemic times in line with the restrictions put by MES being lifted. So um, that is great news if you are in the bank stocks for dividends. So um, pretty much back to 
pre-COVID times. Indeed. So what stood out for me was record fixed income fees, investment banking fees up 81% uh, because of a recovery in equity transactions. Anything else stand out for you for DBS? Yeah, I'm just looking at a couple of things that um, stands out from the slides. You know, loans growth has been mentioned quite a lot in the um, materials. Also, what stood out for me is card fees. So that is mm. up around... 10%. So people like you and me spending much more than usual during the stay-at-home, work-from-home times apparently. So much so that it is up 10% to $334 million. So one of the things leading the consumer spending area um, that is led by online transactions. Housing loans also did well. So bookings continuing to be strong. Wealth management loans also higher on buoyant investor sentiment. So all that playing a part in the loans growth pipeline. So mm, interesting. Rather healthy results for DBS as Indeed. well as OCBC and UOB. Indeed. And for DBS, uh, two stellar quarters, in fact, the two highest quarters on record to date. Let's turn to another company in the financial sector. Now, this one is an online investing platform and it's a household name, particularly amongst U.S. investors. I am talking about Robinhood. It went public last week. Very disappointing IPO. Shares fell on the first day. But what a difference a couple of days makes. Yesterday, we talked about renewed interest in the stock. And today, well, Robinhood shares surged as much as 8 percent in intercession trade overnight. So what is fueling the sharp turnaround? Yeah, I have to say it's quite ironic, right? Because it is itself now becoming a meme store. Robinhood <laughs> had become the platform in the past year for traders to access meme stocks like GameStop, AMC, um, BlackBerry, Buff and Beyond, all the works. Mm-hmm. And now itself, it is becoming the subject of the Reddit-ready crowd. So like you pointed out, day one was a bit of a flop. It was down, I believe, um, 8%. And now, a bit of a turnaround. And it is at one stage overnight up 80% before trimming those gains to around 50%. And if you ask me for a reason, I can't really give you one because like how the Reddit Rally crowd has been behaving, it seems to be trading on... What people like. A bit of a hurt mentality type of thing. Mm -hmm. The more people buy, it just builds on itself. The more people sell, it just continues to spiral. So it is right now a bit of a rollercoaster ride for Robin Hood shares. A bit of a momentum trade. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Jim Cramer on CNBC says Robinhood is a house of cards waiting to tumble and that if you own shares in it, cash out to take profit. So what do you think? Um, you know, does this make sense if Robinhood is just another meme stock? Hey, if you believe it'll go up, it'll go up. If you believe it'll go down, it'll go down. So that has been the <laughs> you know, approach towards meme stocks. And I have to point out, Jim Cramer says, now be careful. On Monday, earlier this week, he said, buy by Robin Hood because Uh-oh. he thinks the CEO is going to do a good job in turning around or at least transforming the app into become a diversified fintech player like Square and PayPal. So in the space of a few days, he's made a U-turn himself. So it wouldn't be the to, first. <laughs> no, um, digest uh, everything in context. Yes, indeed. Let's take a look at a couple of macro trends now before we dive back into more corporate profits. Uh, U.S. jobs. Investors are awaiting a major U.S. jobs report that it will be due out on Friday. But in the interim, they are dissecting the latest numbers from the payroll processing firm ADB. 
GDP. Now, it reports that U.S. employers added 330,000 new jobs in July. Now, while that might sound good, it is a lot less than in June and also well below market expectations. So, Ryan, U.S. markets fell on the news. Is this a sign that U.S. economic recovery is faltering? And if so, could that actually be good news from an interest rate standpoint? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, right? Because when you look at data, these um, data points, it can be read both ways. Mm. So sometimes bad news can be good news for the stock market and vice versa. So let's run through the ADP numbers. So this this is a private payrolls survey and it came in at 330,000 for July. So this is nearly half of what the consensus forecast was projecting. So quite a big miss in terms of expectations. And typically, you might interpret it as how that might justify the Fed to think, hey, market or at least economy is not doing well. We might need to stay put on where we are in terms of supporting the markets and keep rates low for longer. So that typically is one interpretation these days of how bad economic data plays out. And I guess you have to read into the details of why this is happening. So you do have a couple of reasons. Uh, It might not necessarily be a case of the economy being bad. Why the numbers are down could be a factor of supply. Just companies struggling to um, create or hire people because people are just quitting at a much faster pace and maybe people are just staying at home much more. So there have been a lot more dynamics and factors at play here uh, to really use past performances or past reasons as a, a bit of a guide. So this will really make the Friday jobs report for July interesting to watch because um, it has been quite a mixed type of bang when it comes to um, data. Mm. There have been some hits and misses. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Fed officials coming out to say, hey, it's time to taper. So that is really giving a a bit of more noise than usual to investors to digest. The Vice Chair of the US Federal Reserve, Richard Clarida, saying he believes the US economy will hit the Fed's targets next year, leading to rate increases starting in 2023, adding to the clamour of, you know, when is this all going to take place? Now, another macro issue to be aware of is that the US government is in danger of breaching a debt ceiling imposed by US law. That ceiling had been suspended for the past two years but came back into effect this week. The US Treasury Department now employing a number of innovative, shall we say, bookkeeping measures to keep the US government from breaching that debt ceiling or taking the unprecedented step of defaulting on its debt. So it's buying time for Congress to act and to raise the debt ceiling again. But there's no guarantee that it'll happen. In fact, some say it's unlikely any Republicans are going to support such a move. How big of a worry is this right now for investors? Wow, <laughs> it's like a deja vu thing, right? It keeps happening every few years and it really comes down to politics. And this is now seeing um, a bit of, um, I guess, tug of war between policymakers. You know, should we raise the debt limit? Should we um, not raise the debt limit? So right now, due to what you pointed out, creative accounting you or creative practices, um, it is going to be raising money through the sale of bonds next week and a series of auctions to finance the government to the tune of $126 billion. Mm-hmm. So this would be in the form of three-year notes, 10-year notes, 30-year bonds. So all this, like you pointed out, 
is to help uh, fund the government, which has been in recent months and years having to uh, stimulate the economy with its policy measures. So a bit more urgent than required. But somehow we've seen in the past few years and decades, the US eventually pulls through. And we do have a couple of um, warnings from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying, you know, if we don't do this, it will be cat- catastrophic. But somehow we always see policymakers come to their senses at the last minute. So I wouldn't <laughs> hold my breath on this. You know, so I'm sure they will work it out. Come to your senses, people. Uh, time for corporate news and a game of up or down. I'm going to do this in two rounds, international and local. Yesterday, everything in the segment was up, remember? What does today have in store? We're going to see in a moment. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Let's start with Uber. All right, Uber. I would go with down for this one because it is still making losses. At least if you look at some of the finer details, um, it has to pay, even though it's seeing, uh, excuse me, deliveries and rides go up, it has to pay its drivers more incentives. So that is actually putting a big drag on its numbers if you look at the um, actual profits that it's making. So that is a down for me. I'm going to go with down for Uber as well because while Uber beat estimates, it still lost more than half a billion US dollars in the second quarter of this year. And like you say, yeah, it shares down more than 4.5% in after-hours trade. All right, next up we've got GM. All right, GM is a down for me. So it's because the automaker missed earnings, earnings expectations for the second quarter. Maybe not a surprise because the automakers have been under pressure with the shortage, shortage of semiconductor chips. So that is um, something putting pressure on the supply side for them. Yeah, a mixed bag for GM. General Motors uh, reporting record operating profit, but it also suffered from a... More than one billion US dollar loss in warranty rec- uh, recall costs. Not loss, I should say. Their warranty recall costs. So I'm going to go with down for GM. Next up, AMD. Okay, AMD. That's going to be well, an up for me, and that is because the stock is trading at record highs. A couple of things going for it. Um, if in the UK, it's got some good news. Mm-hmm. There's some. Reports pointing out that the UK government might reject its rival chipmaker NVIDIA from buying arms. So that's good news for it in terms of market share and competition. Yeah, up for me as well, AMD appears to be taking business away from its main competitor, Intel. AMD shares rose 5% overnight. They're up more than 20% over the past week. Now on to China stocks now with Tencent. All right. Mm. This would be a down for me. And this is because video games apparently have been the latest target of the China regulatory clamp down. Of course, Tencent, one of the biggest players there. So I'm going to go with down for this one. Yeah, me too. I'm going to stick with down for Tencent. Um, after saying gaming is spiritual opium, China is softening its tone a little. We did see Tencent shares rallying a little on news overnight, but they're still down about 25% over the past three months. Next, Huawei. Okay, Huawei. Hmm, that's going to be a, well, a tough one for me. Hmm. I would say mix. Can I go mix? You can. That's <laughs> because... Huawei's Meng Wanzhou, their CFO, is facing a crunch acquisition hearing today. So it might swing the, um, I guess, 
politics or dynamics of how China and the U.S. react against each other, depending on how this result turns out. Yeah, so I think mix so right in the middle, the pivot point, the seesaw point, shall we say. Huawei hasn't been in the news for quite some time. The US is asking Canada for the extradition of Huawei's CFO, who you may remember was arrested in Canada more than two years ago. Now, those hearings are entering their last stage, as Ryan mentioned, and odds are that she will be extradited to the US. So I too will go with down for Huawei. And back to Singapore, steel solutions provider BRC. Okay, that's an up for me. So great news for BRC. It's uh, profit for the third quarter is at 10.2 million. So that reverses the loss of 2.4 million a year ago. That's thanks to some recovery in the construction sector. Yeah, BRC back in the black. So up for me, it has netted $10 million, Singapore Steel Solutions provider, in the last quarter. All right, uh, construction company OKP. Okay, this one down. Net profit is lower by over 39%. Whoa. Uh, this is due in part to lower payouts and rebates from the government. So that is a bit of the well, base effects at play here. Mm-hmm. If you contextualize the... Uh, the boost that came through from support measures. Okay, OKP's H1 net profit down off nearly 40%, so down for me as well. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. Ryan, how are investors reacting to DBS's results? Wow, that is the big question right now. I am looking at the STI. Oh, it is loading on my screen right now, and it is flat at 3,182 and I am going to zoom in on the STI more red than green right now and DBS is doing well it's right at the top 0.8% at $30.83 so building on yesterday's gains of around 1% and taking a quick look at OCBC and UOB so those banks were up by 1.8% yesterday off the back of their uh, rather decent results. And so far, UOB building on the gains from yesterday is up 0.5% right now, mm-hmm. 2645. OCBC still flat at 1246. So banks largely doing well off the back of the dividend hike resumptions. And you have the other top movers right now. Yang Zhijiang is the second leader on STI, up by 0.7%. At the bottom of the table, this is interesting, SGX is down 2.9% at 11.70. And one reason could be perhaps its results out this morning. And that is full-year net profit for SGX down 6% at 445.4 million. That's despite revenue being comparable at 1.05 billion. So this is for the full year 2021. A bit of a drag from a decline in treasury income amidst a low interest rate environment. Total expenses up 8%, largely due to the consolidation of expenses relating to scientific beta and bid FX. So that is uh, what's playing out so far. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang. In fact, we're going to take a closer look at SGX. Should it be doing more in terms of uh, what it can do vis-a-vis competitors around the world? A lot of companies choosing to list elsewhere. And we'll take a closer look at SGX. Second half profits falling as well. It's coming up at 10.05. Before, before acting on the information on Money FM. 
Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.